0: Welcome to the official podcast of the Mount Rubidoux Seventh-day Adventist Church. Thank you for joining us on our series, Inside Out. Our speaker for today is Dr. Chitty. He brings us the message entitled, Bitter or Better. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, I've thoroughly so far enjoyed my time here. And I have to thank Pastor Michael for inviting me out. I mean, it, it's always a privilege to come here. And, you know, we, we, we hear about what's going on here. We hear about it all through the UK. And, you know, when I, when I said, oh, I'm going to visit Mount Ruby, he said, oh, fantastic church. I said, have you been there? No, I've never been there, but I've just seen it <laughs> online. But, uh, no, I'm really, really grateful, really grateful for being here. And I love coming out to the States all the time because, as we say in Britain, it's like visiting the colonies. It's, um, it's, oh, have have I lost the church already? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, But when I was invited here, I thought, you know, well, you know, we've got this wedding going on. Um, Because I didn't get my invite, I said, I'll still come, Pastor. That's, that's that's absolutely fine, but it's such a privilege to be here. Um, I believe we're going to have a very interesting week this week. Really interesting. This Life Colors program is something I've been working on for many, many years. Each color represents a different disease, and these are the biggest diseases that are killing people all over the world, including around here in California. These are the what we call lifestyle diseases. They are they happen because of lifestyle and we can reverse them and prevent them because of lifestyle too. Uh, Tomorrow evening we're going to kick off with how to reverse, prevent and improve type 2 diabetes and how to lose weight without losing your health. We're going to do those two together. But this morning we've got a, oh that's me, this morning we've got an interesting topic for you and it's called Bitter or Better. Oh I must have gone forward. All right, Bitter or Better. Bitter or Better. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we're just so thankful to you, so grateful that you have blessed us and enabled us to be here. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, to touch our minds. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yes, this year, 1844, it's a very interesting year in history. Do you know that? Very interesting year in history. Lots of things were happening here on this continent. But I want to take you back to a place in France, and a gentleman by the name of Alexandre Dumas. Dumont. Alexander Dumas, Dumont, he was already famous for his wonderful novel called The Three Musketeers. You've heard of that, right? Uh, but in 1844, he came out with what I think was his masterpiece. And you can see he's got a bit of an afro there. He, he was a black guy. Did you know that? Yes, yeah. yeah, so he was a black guy. He wrote The Three Musketeers. But in 1844, he had... His masterpiece, and that was the Count of Monte Cristo. You've heard of that. The Count of Monte Cristo. This was a story about revenge. An innocent man, a good man, found himself betrayed by his best friend. He was thrown into prison. He lost everything, lost his wife. Whilst he was in prison, the, the thing that hurt him the most was that his father died penniless the only thing that was keeping Edward Dante alive was the fact that he knew he would get out of prison and he would kill his enemy who used to be his friend he knew what many of us know that revenge is sweet but you know it has a bitter aftertaste doesn't it it has a bitter aftertaste You know, many of those negative emotions that we hold. Jealousy, anger, rage. All of those things that we all have. Resentments. They come from a common cause. And that common cause is a lack of forgiveness. That's at the heart of so much. In fact, that's at the heart of so many of our illnesses as well. Did you know that? Because it generates so much stress. I'm so happy that Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness especially in this parable of the unmerciful servant I'm sure many of you know it but I'm just going to recap it for you the unmerciful servant this parable is about a man who owed so much he couldn't pay it back and his boss said look I need this money I need you to pay it back now but he said look I just can't do it give me some time maybe maybe I'll find the money for you and his boss said look if you don't pay me back now we're going to throw you into prison and your family until you can pay I don't know how you can pay when you're in prison but that was the deal of the day so he pleaded he said look just give me another chance give me some more time his boss looked at him and he said you know what I'm going to forgive all of your debts you are free you don't owe me anything Can you imagine that? No debts. No mortgage. No car loans. One or two of you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you are too rich. You don't really care about money. I I understand that. I understand that. But this guy, he left the presence of his boss happy, obviously. I'm free. I had this debt over my head for so long. I'm now free. He walks out of his presence and he sees a guy who owes him a small amount of money. He said, hey, you owe me money. I need that money now. Give it to me now. His friend says, look, look, I haven't got it with me. Just give me some time and I'll get it back to you. He said, no, no way. I want that money right now. His debt has been forgotten. He can only see this little debt in front of him. Says, look, I'm g- you better give it now, or I'm going to get you thrown into prison. His friends see what's going on and they report him back to his boss. His boss calls him back and says, wait a minute, I forgave you so much. You couldn't forgive this guy a small amount. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed now this is the interesting thing that Jesus says this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother now um, some of us may be a bit confused here because can he really mean torture because there are some of us in this church today who have still not forgiven but we're not in jail being tortured so can he really mean what he says well let's just see what he's talking about now for this I need a victim I mean a volunteer a volunteer (laughs) Volunteer. sorry so I have to come down and now your blood pressure starts to rise obviously because you don't you're trying to look away because you don't want to be the victim um Oh, why don't I take Mary? Why don't you come with me, Mary? Is that all right? Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause as she comes up. Good. Actually, yeah, we can stay here, Mary. Um, you see this picture? Can you tell me what is happening in this picture? What's going on? The guy on the right is getting his blood. Pressure. He's getting his blood pressure taken. Yeah, you're partly right. That's 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 true. Oh, it's a lie detector test. That's right, right? It's a lie detector. Thank you very much, Murray. You can take a seat. Thank you. Thank you. So this is a lie detector test. Let me ask you the question, how can a machine tell that you're lying? Some of us can't tell when somebody's lying. How can a machine with no brain tell you that somebody is lying? What happens? your heart rate what happens to your heart rate every time you lie your heart rate goes up what about your blood pressure it goes up you know it's testing whether how much he's sweating as well every time we lie we sweat we breathe deeper isn't it amazing every time you lie your body reacts against it come on come on first reach on if you tell the truth nothing happens Every time you lie, your blood pressure goes up. Even if you look like you're telling the truth. You know there's some good lies around, right? I'm not looking at anybody in particular. But every time you lie, your body reacts. It's as though there is something within you saying, this doesn't sit well with me. And of course it is the Spirit of God. Let's have a look about what goes on in our brains. Because bitterness... And a lack of forgiveness generates the same type of stress we get as when we're lying. Every time we're bitter, every time we see that person we can't forgive them, it generates the same emotions, the same reactions in our body. Imagine if we're living a life of bitterness. What is that doing to our bodies? Have a look at this. This is what happens in your brain every time you lie, every time you're bitter towards somebody what happens is this little area in the brain called the hypothalamus, a a small area in the brain, you can hardly even detect it, it governs just about everything you don't think about in your body. Your temperature, your blood pressure, everything. So when this happens, the hypothalamus sends a signal down to your pituitary gland. Your pituitary gland then releases a hormone into your blood and it gets to your adrenal cortex, just on the top of your kidneys, and then that releases all sorts of chemicals. One of them being cortisol. You've heard of cortisol, right? That's a steroid. So every time you lie, every time you're stressed, your body is releasing cortisol, a steroid, into the system. In other words, we're we're kind of steroid abusers. You know, we may not not be um, Usain Bolt. I'm not saying Usain Bolt is a steroid abuser, by the way, just in case anybody reports me. But we do it every day. We're releasing all these steroids into our system every single day. Now, this is key. So when I go back to this life colors thing, at the heart of many, if not all, of our lifestyle diseases is that stress. The more stress you generate, the less healthy you become. And not just physically unhealthy. You know, if you're unable to forgive, what happens? Relationships break down. We become untrusting unloving, if we're unable to forgive, and this is common with many people, if you cannot forgive, it can lead to mood lowering, mental depression, because you cannot forgive somebody, sometimes you cannot forgive yourself. So when you think about it, when we don't forgive, we are actually living a life of torture, and torment okay you're not being put into prison physically but we are punishing ourselves every single day that we don't forgive I like this definition unforgiveness towards an enemy is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die from it we, we are killing ourselves every time we don't forgive our enemies just living their life they got no stress But we are killing ourselves. Look, there was a study done by Harvard um, in America, and it was done over 2,000 African-American women. 2,000 African-American women. And half of them demonstrated that they were being racially discriminated against. Half of them. For that 1,000 group, they had 300% increase in breast cancer. 300% increase in breast cancer. Why? Okay, because they were feeling that stress. They were feeling that bitterness. They had that unresolved resentment. They were unable to deal with it. Our, Our disease levels go up if we're unable to let go. Even if we're the ones in the right. So they didn't do anything wrong. They were being discriminated against and they get breast cancer on top. That doesn't make sense, right? So we need to learn how to deal with this issue, right? We have to. Okay, look at God's definition of forgiveness. I want somebody to come and read that for me if they can. So Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36. We're going to look at God's definition of forgiveness. Has somebody got a Bible and a a microphone? That would be useful. Luke chapter 6. Verse 32 to 36. Oh, your, your Bible's disappeared. Okay. So if you've got it, maybe we can get a, a mic. Oh, you've got it there. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36. We're going to find out what does God mean when he says forgiveness. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. So, what does Jesus say? He says, Look, if you're good to people who are good to you, what good is that? Everybody does that. I will invite you, when you go home, to look up a poem called Mother. It's It's a wonderful, tender, gentle poem about how we should treat our mothers. Wonderful. It was written by Adolf Hitler. So Adolf Hitler was good to his mother. Adolf Hitler was good to his friends. Horrible people. It's easy for them to be good to people who love them. It's not a big deal. What Jesus was saying is, look, I want you to be good to the people who are bad to you. Mercy. When somebody steals from you, that is the person that I want you to dig into your pocket and go and bless getting a bit quiet. We're getting a bit quiet here. This is a bit difficult, right? He's saying, look, the people who give to you and you give back, that doesn't really mean much. It's the people who take from you and you still seek to give to them. That is where the blessing is. That's my definition of forgiveness. We can all say I forgive you. But are you going to reach into your pocket to bless the person who has robbed from you? That is forgiveness. How can we do it? This is quite difficult. And look at this. Unless we forgive, we cannot be forgiven. Wow, 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 wow. So if I, if I stop you, I think I'll leave you depressed. So I think what we have to do is get some encouragement. Let's get some courage. Let, let's find out. How can we actually do this? We're saying that this lack of forgiveness is the, the heart of many of our illnesses, especially physical and mental. How can we be free? Well, let's look at what we can do. First of all, we have to know this. God sees when you've been mistreated and he will restore. Restore. I love God's definition of restoration. If you look in the Old Testament, if somebody stole one of your ox, they couldn't just give you back one ox. They had to give you seven ox, ten ox, five ox. That's God's definition of restoration. Giving you back more than what you had before. I'd much rather God restore me than anybody. If somebody steals from me, I'll let God pay me back because he'll give me back even more. I don't then have to be so bitter towards the person because God's going to turn it out for my good. I love, I love this text. I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Look, when the locust comes on your crops, they are not looking back to pay you back. They're off to the next field. God says, I will restore. And not just the crops, he says the years. Sometimes we're in relationships for years. It breaks down and we think, that was wasted time. God says, I'm going to restore those years to you. We have to remember. We have to remember that. Anybody recognize this building? Okay, no one recognizes it. Okay, this is in London. This is right in the center of London, near a place called Hyde Park. I used to live here when I was a student. Now, when I say live here, I didn't have the whole place. Okay, I wasn't that grand. So I had a room here, and in fact, this was back in 1989 when I started university. I know I don't look that old, but um, my parents dropped me off here. I put my cases down, I went downstairs, I went and had some food. I sat down, and then the only other black person in the room came and sat next to me. Uh, She ended up becoming my wife. I, I, I don't know if that was a reward or punishment, but that's, that's what happened. That's what happened. So, so this place this place is called Nutford House. Nutford, it's a beautiful place. And I was elected president of this hall. And we did a few good things. And the owners of Nutford House said, Chidi, we're going to make you the senior student of Nutford House. I didn't know what that meant. But when they said, you can live here as long as you want... For half the rent? I said yes. I wasn't silly, right? I was at university, obviously. Um, but then a few weeks later, one of their relatives moved in, and you could see they wanted to make this individual the senior student instead. So they said, Chidi, well, why don't we open it up for interview? And I said, look, um, you guys told me that you wanted to make me the senior student. Look, if you want to make your relative a senior student, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. I'll find somewhere else. Now, my friend said to me, (laughs) you've been robbed. How would you let them get away with that? You know, you could have been in this room as long as you wanted. I didn't know what to say. I mean, I was 19 years old. I said, look, I don't know. I mean, maybe God got a different plan for me. I didn't know what was going on. Well, I managed to scrape some money together I got myself a little flat closer to my medical school and I got two fellow students to move in with me and they were paying my mortgage. So I'm now living there for free. <laughs> two years later, I found out... Now, I, I can tell you, I mean, you're Californians, you know a bit about money. Two years later, I found out that this flat was now worth three times what I paid for it. By the time I left medical school, that flat was worth five times what I paid for it. It was over half a million pounds. Um, I took some of the money out and opened up a restaurant in central London, a healthy restaurant. It became very successful. We opened up another one. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're not interested in money, I know, but um, I'll tell you that that changed my life. It changed my life. Now, do you think I went back to Nutford House <laughs> and said to them, You guys robbed me. If it wasn't for you, I could still be living in that little room. <laughs> but by the way, by the way, this room didn't even have a bathroom. You know, you have to go upstairs to a, a communal bathroom. I could have still been there. No, I got what I got because I was kicked out they didn't pay me back God paid me back that that is the restoration that I'm talking about it is not just in the Old Testament it's happening today it's happening to you it's happening to me if we can be patient if we are not bitter can you imagine if I was bitter towards all these people I wouldn't have had the blessing no way we have to just let it go and let God repay you. You know, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. And I always ask the question, "Um, if David never met Goliath, where would he be? If David never met Goliath, where would he be? I mean, he was a great shepherd, right? He was a great shepherd. But he wouldn't have become king. You see, many people didn't realize that Goliath was not sent to defeat David. He was sent to promote David. Come on, man. Come on. Listen, many of us today are facing Goliaths. We're facing Goliaths in our own health. We're facing Goliaths in our own families, in our bank accounts, in our jobs. And we just think to ourselves, I can't take, this is too big for me. Goliath has not been sent to destroy you. He's been sent to promote you. And if we are faithful, if we can let go of the bitterness, First. God will restore you to a place that you cannot imagine. That's right. Here's something else. You hear this question? Why does bad stuff happen to good people? You hear that? <clears throat> I don't know if you remember maybe six years ago, Great Britain, we had a load of riots. Did you see that in the news? We had riots in London and Manchester. Did you ever see that? Maybe not. I know you don't have riots over here in America, Um, (laughs) but uh, we certainly had them in England. It was a big shock to us. I was watching it on the news, and I was thinking about this question because on the news you would see a, uh, a sportswear store all smashed in, people running off with trainers. You'd see an electrical store, people running off with computers. Next to it, you'd see a library left alone. <laughs> Nothing of interest in the library for these thieves, right? And I always say, when I, when I hear this question, I say, look, go to the library. It's never going to be full. Go to the library and go and look up those books, those autobiographies of all the great men and women of history. You will find that none of them had an easy life in fact most of them attribute their success to the difficulties in their life and I when I'm trying to answer this question I say well you see good bad stuff happens to good people because God doesn't just want good people he wants great people and to take you from good to great often needs difficulty often means you have to meet a Goliath on the way. But if we allow that to defeat us if we allow the stress to overcome us and say it's just too much we'll never see the victory. We have to be like David and face that Goliath head on and allow God to restore us. Okay. Here's something else if we're trying to overcome we have to turn two into four. This is not a mathematical equation. It's really Saying we have to turn the words two into four. Okay, you're still looking a bit confused. I get this, I get this. I don't know, do you, do you remember this? The inauguration 2009? Do you remember that? <clears throat> I was very privileged to, to be there whilst he was being inaugurated. You know, I, and I'll tell you this it took us six hours. I was in Maryland, it took us six hours to get to DC, and I had the position right at the back. I mean, right at the back. You can probably see me. I'm right. It was, it was freezing cold, but it was, it was a great day. It was a, it was a great day because this man became president of the United States. But I, I remember I was listening to the news. I was looking to the news, and they were saying that Barack Obama was studying to be president. And I'm thinking, how do you study to be president ...of the United States. Well, what, really what they meant was that he, he was studying this man, Abraham Lincoln. Now, Abraham Lincoln is still considered the greatest president of the United States. However, you know, the, the current president may overtake him. You never... He, 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 has, he has no fans in here. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Well, I, Abraham Lincoln... Abraham Lincoln was a great president because he was able to unite the United States. You know, it broke away, and he was able to bring them together. He wasn't just a good president. He was actually quite a wise man. This is some of the things he had to say. The best way to destroy an enemy is to make him a friend. Wise words. Wise words. And if you've read anything about Abraham Lincoln, he's full of wisdom, full of grace, and full of mercy. And my question is always, well, how did he get to be so good? Where did all that come from? And I wish that you can just look at his life. It gives you a bit of an indication, doesn't it? Let's just have a brief look. So it, as a child, his family lost their home. He had to work to support them. He did all the work. His mother died two years later. He then went into business and he failed. He ran for a state office and lost. Went into business again and it went bankrupt. You know what that means, right? You lose everything. He ran for office and won, but then a year later his fiancée died. A year after that he had a nervous breakdown. Wanted to take his own life. Life was too much for him. He ran for speaker and then lost. He sought to be an elector and lost. Ran for Congress and lost. You know, at this time I think his friends were saying... Abraham Abraham Come on Enough's enough You have tried You have failed Do something else You know But Abraham he understood something different He realized that these things there was a purpose behind them Look he ran for Congress and won He ran for re-election and lost Ran for Senate and lost ran for vice president and lost badly. There was no Twitter of the time, but everybody knew the big failure. But let me show you something about Abraham. though. You know, the vice president is the senior senator. You know that. So the vice president is superior to the senator. The senator is superior to the congressman. When he failed at being a congressman, he went higher to look to be a senator when when he failed to be the senator he went higher to be the vice president I'm thinking that there's a lesson for us there you know many of us we have one failure one defeat oh no I can't do it oh no it's obviously that that position's too big for me it's too great for me maybe I should look lower look for something not at all he went higher we don't realize the power that God has put inside of us just because a person or people have said you're not good enough doesn't mean you're not good enough God has just a bigger purpose for you So what could Abraham Lincoln do? He, he went back down again. He tried to be a senator, then lost. Two years later, he was elected president of the United States. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln discovered something. That all the defeats that were happening to him, they weren't actually happening to him. They were happening for him. They were preparation for him. Because in 1860, when the United States had ripped apart, when the the seven states had split off from the United States, it needed a leader who was humble. It needed a leader who could treat his enemies like his friends. It needed somebody who has been through loss and defeat and could understand what it means and what it feels like. All of the defeats were not happening to Abraham Lincoln. They were happening for him and for this country. The defeats that come across us, the defeats that seem to nail us to the ground, are not happening to us. They're happening for us. God always has a purpose, even in our defeat. I would say, especially in our defeat. You know, success is great, but defeat teaches us so much. Some of us are facing defeat right now. Maybe we've had things stolen from us. Maybe it's material. Maybe it's our childhood. Maybe it's something. And we're thinking, I can't get over this. I can't forgive what they've done to me. Well, God is saying, look, I have something better for you. If you will let it go if you will treat your enemy like your friend and we say this because we have some ultimate encouragement don't we we're not saying this in abstract we serve a saviour who treated his enemies like his friends if he didn't do that where would we be you know many people say to me you know I'd love to be like Jesus and I ask well what do you mean be like Jesus. I love to be wise. I love to be able to teach people. But what does it mean to be like Jesus? When people are rebuking you, putting you down, killing you, you're reaching out the hand of love to them. That's Jesus. That's forgiveness. You know, sometimes that's quite difficult to watch, isn't it? difficult for many reasons Um, the most powerful reason for me is because I put myself in the place of the unmerciful servant there I have been given so much by God more than I could ever repay but I can't bring myself to forgive the little That somebody's done against me. Oh, Dr. Chitty, you say little. You don't realize what they've done to me. You're right, I don't don't know. But God does know. And can we really compare anything to what God has done for us? I guess this story has to end with, what is my response as the unmerciful servant? Am I going to spend the rest of my life being tortured and tormented in unforgiveness? Or am I going to trust God and break free from this prison? This physical, emotional, spiritual prison. But we could start that today, by the way. We, We can start that today. We can do it by... Coming together, praying together, but praying something quite specific for a while, just privately. Thinking of those individuals that have hurt us. Thinking of those individuals that have stolen from us. And praying for them. I don't mean praying that they'll understand the error of their ways, that may never happen. I'm saying, Praying for their good. Praying for their blessing. And maybe praying how I can be part of that blessing. That's not an easy prayer. But I guarantee that is the one that frees us from prison. It doesn't mean that it, everything becomes easy today. But we start on that road to forgiveness and freedom we pray that this message has been a blessing to you so much so that you would be willing to share it as a witness as always thank you again for joining us and tune in weekly for more inspirational messages that will prayerfully give you a more intimate relationship with god